0: Hello and welcome to HGTV Obsessed, the podcast for all things HGTV. I'm your host Mary in Canada and today we have a design power couple who are truly as kind and handsome and funny as they are talented. Nate Burgess and Jeremiah Brent join me to talk about their new HGTV show, The Nate and Jeremiah Home Project, their family mantra, and they are spilling the tea on why they just sold their New York City townhouse. Now, I want to make sure you get as much time as possible with these two because they are so charming. So here's my conversation with Nate and Jeremiah. Nate and Jeremiah, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, Jeremiah, I have to tell you right off the bat, Jeremiah waved, but they can't see you. Yeah. You have to use your words. It's a story of my life.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he's now he's now he's becoming a French mime. <laughs> yeah, I wish.
0: I like that career path for you. Me what too. were you thinking? <laughs> I'm here. so tired of talking. It would be perfect. Well, before we dive in, I am gonna have you guys introduce yourselves so everyone listening can know who's Nate and who's Jeremiah.
1: Hi guys, I'm Nate Burkus, host of Nate and Jeremiah Home Project on HGTV, the main host. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's the, he, Nate Perkins is in the current cast playing my spouse. <laughs> Stay tuned for next season. Wow. Um, I'm Jeremiah Brent, interior designer, and you can tell my voice because I sound like a screeching monkey on this.
1: Is there going to be like a recasting every season of the Nate and Jeremiah Home Project? Is that your plan? Like American Horror Story? I can't tell you. It's just
2: kind of one of those things you have to find out.
1: Oh, okay. Lucky me. It's
0: kind of like in Back to the Future when in Back to the Future 2, they just completely recast The Girlfriend and never spoke of it again.
1: Never said a word. It also happened in Will Smith
2: when they replaced Aunt Viv. It was a really, it was a hard pill to swallow for me. (laughs)
0: Well, you guys both recently returned from a glorious Italian vacation. I personally loved following along on social media. So I have to ask anytime I come back from a vacation, I always find myself inspired. What inspiration from your trip is giving you guys, you know, creative energy right now?
2: I I speak for myself. I think, you know, because of COVID um, and everything, obviously, we hadn't traveled in so long. And because it was Nate's, a big birthday for Nate, it was important that, you know, we make it happen. What was really beautiful about the trip was the intimacy and the connection, which I think, um, you know, I had definitely missed. And, you know, we were in Sicily and the art, the ceremony of breakfast there, the ceremony of lunch, we were so disconnected, but then connected with the people in our lives and I definitely like when we came back I was it took me a minute to bounce back. I really missed it. <laughs> but I think you know that ceremony of, you know, taking time, connecting, dinner, breakfast, that's the stuff that I I kind of took back.
1: We like cities and visiting foreign lands that are a little bit gritty that aren't sort of designed for the US traveler where everything is just perfect and you have the option of having a hamburger everywhere you go. I mean, Sicily is, is so pristine in its way. And one of the things that we do on our own show often is reach for salvaged architectural materials. And we like to use old things and incorporate old things even when we're doing new builds. And so for us to be surrounded and sleeping in and eating in and drinking in and hanging out with our friends and kids in old, historic, ancient structures is like food to both of us. You know, it really, it's it's really, it can't be undersold. But I mean, first of all, I can't believe I'm 50. I'm like as old as some of the architectural materials that I'm asking that we use in our projects, but it was, it was really special.
2: It's true, you are so old.
1: You are a bad human being. And everyone, <laughs> everyone goes agree, just agreeing with you. No, no, like, no, no, I'm no. You literally, you. you are no. That's so, not how these go. So supportive,
0: so supportive. No, Nate, you are aging like a fine wine. I think we can all agree. That's
1: why I've agreed to only do podcasts
0: now forever.
1: Yeah,
2: that's why he made me put Vaseline on the screen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give it the the old Barbara Walters. I think that a couple's first big trip together is such a milestone. Do you guys remember the first trip you took together? Did you discover any uh, interesting things about each other?
2: I will never forget. We went to Putamita <laughs> in Mexico, and it was for a weekend trip. We were in a car driving to the actual hotel, and I was like crying looking out at the scenery. And um, they like grabbed my hand. And that was the first time that I was like, wow, we're going to see the world together. This is so great.
1: I remember that moment too. I absolutely do remember that moment.
2: Yeah. Uh, And I'll never forget that. It was like the first time that I was like, wow, this is, we're going to do this together.
1: I remember that trip. Jeremiah was, and I, we went to this like little town because Putamita sort of developed and everything. And there's like a little sort of beach town where they had a, a market for crafts and textiles and things like that. And everybody, we got out of the cab and everybody just started swarming Jer as they do in markets in Mexico. Like, over here, this, what about this, senor? Like the whole thing. And Jer had this look of like complete and utter panic for the first five minutes. And then he. Like had to like center himself and then he was fine. Yeah. And meanwhile, I was already, I already had like 90 string bracelets on it, uh, you know. Well, he
2: left me behind. That's the part <laughs> of the story. He left and I was like,
1: <laughs> but I needed
2: five minutes and then I was fine.
1: I was but like, babe, yeah. come over here, place Matt. Yeah. I mean, when we met Nate's
2: big promise to me, he was like, I can't wait to show you the world. And that was really the trip where we started
0: it that It really was. Mm-hmm. So sweet. Well, and now you've been married for over seven years. You have two adorable children together, Poppy and Oscar, who are stars in my mind. You've got these successful design careers, both together and separately. You've got this incredible love story. If your family had, you know, one mantra to live by, what would that be?
2: What's funny, when we, we had the, the opportunity while we were going through Cerexia to have a lot of really important conversations, and one of the things that we decided, there was just like fundamentally two pillars that we wanted to raise our children through, which was kindness and honesty. You know, we've got a lot of mantras internally for our family, but I think kindness and honesty are really kind of the pillars of everything we try to do.
1: We always also try to leave a place better than where how we found it. And that applies, obviously, to our careers and homes and things like that. But more importantly, I think, or as importantly, it applies to travel and visiting other places and knowing sort of what questions to ask so we can integrate ourselves into that local community, whether it's a single person that we meet or a group of people or an organization that we can become a part of. We're teaching our kids to have their eyes open and move through the world with a level of awareness that I think is absolutely fundamental, not only to put sort of good things back out in the world, but to live a life that feels whole and fulfilled. And we want that for both of those kids.
0: Well, and that's such an amazing transition to your new show, the Nate and Jeremiah Home Project, which just premiered on HGTV. And I watch a lot of HGTV. I've worked here a long time but this show feels so special. It feels really sentimental. It feels really personal. Can you guys share a little bit about it? Well,
2: it's the best compliment I think we could get because that's exactly the intention behind the show. Our goal with this show on HGTV was really to try to show not only families through a different lens, a family like ours and how we show love and how similar we all are. But also to show a different type of renovation that's not just about how quickly you can flip it and how quickly you can get out of it. This is about understanding the power of creating a space that's rooted in your stories, your experiences, where you've been, where you want to go, where you are now. And we care about every person that we meet on this show. Most of the people from previous seasons we still are in that's touch with. Funny. It's a love story each of these episodes, you know, and, and we take it very seriously. When we meet people, the experience of them letting us into their home and this show in particular, it's all rooted in story and it's all rooted in experiences. And we're supposed to be the custodian to help them kind of through whatever roadblock they're experiencing.
1: One of the things that we talked about when we were trying to figure out how to craft this hour of television was how can we really get to know people the way we want to get to know them in such a short period of time? And someone had the idea, what are the questions that you always ask people when you meet them and you're working on them redoing a space? And one of the things was, what do you own? What's important to you? And so one of the sort of levers that you have to pull in Nate and Jeremiah Home Project is you have to come to the table even as early as the casting process to show us and share with us the objects, the things that you have that you live with currently that sort of define you. And so we use that as a lens to get to know the homeowners, because, you know, when you're sharing something with somebody, the audience goes away, the TV cameras go away, and you're just talking about your mom and you're talking about what she meant to you and why this little object or this table or this piano or whatever it is, is so important. And you really do get to see people through a different lens, I think. And that's one of the things that I love the most about the show.
0: It's funny you mentioned piano because I was lucky enough to get to watch the premiere episode of the season and the family had this incredible Steinway piano and you all, I mean, you don't just decorate around the piano. You go the extra mile, you find out the whole story behind it. You talk to the people at Steinway and find out who bought it and where it was purchased and when. And you guys work really hard with these families to make these sentimental pieces That don't necessarily align with the design and you make them work. You know, we talk a lot about this idea of you get these sentimental, these hand-me-downs that you love because of the story behind them. You love because of who you got them from, but maybe they're not really your style. So what are some of the ways that you guys make these pieces work when they don't align with the overall design plan?
2: Well, what's interesting about the show this season is that there's a big arc with pieces and what people think they represent to them and towards the end of the renovation, how they see them now. And so we kind of have a bunch of mechanisms that we built in to kind of take people through that journey. But, you know, a lot of times it's about, does this bring you joy looking at this? Does it make you sad? You know, what memories is this item bringing up?
1: That's a hard question to ask somebody too, when they're walking you through their stuff. Like, does this does this make you smile or does this make you cry? And we ask that. And some people have to really stop and think about it.
2: Yeah. But I think we're always trying to find where the ripple began. And, you know, for Lauren and Lewis, for example, that piano was where their ripple began as a family. Like it was kind of the heartbeat of everything. And really trying to understand the value of things and to kind of walk through that because nine times out of 10 towards the end, we would look, sit down with those pieces and they go, you know what, I think I'm ready to move on. This doesn't actually define me the way I thought it did before. And so I thought that was a really interesting experience. But it's fun because Nate and I have very different um, <laughs> experiences with things. I would like a dimly lit bowl in a dark room by itself. That's where I'm at. Nate would like a lot of objet everywhere. He's a collector, a fancy collector.
0: No, a magpie, magpie a, fancy, a fancy magpie. I call him a, a f- fancy, fancy hoarder.
1: hoarder. He calls yeah. me a fancy hoarder. Yeah. What you're just explained is really true. And then, you know, the show is not just about how to make every single thing that someone thinks is important to them work. It's about editing what is important and watching them as the environment changes around them and as they start to see a space evolve that really does rise up to greet them. What of those things, when it's all said and done, what then has to be included? It's an ongoing conversation as we're talking about paint color and cabinet color and natural stone versus quartz and all the things that every makeover involves. The truth is, is that it's, it's also a very important conversation that's running parallel to all of those decisions.
0: And it's inspiring to me that two people with such established careers in design, that you still have things that you can learn, that you can learn from clients or that you can learn from spaces. What was something big that you were able to take away and learn from filming this show that was maybe a surprise to you after being in this business for so long?
2: I was so, so envious of every person that we met that was so solid in their understanding that this home was it for them. They didn't want to go anywhere else. It was enough. And I agree there was more than one time that I looked at Nate and I was like, this, why and when will we get this? Because... I have the same fantasies that I think most people do, which is, you know, our children walking down the staircase on their, you know, senior year or, you know, going through rooms and seeing nicks in the wall and thinking, oh God, I remember when that happened and that experience. And so Roots, I was really surprised at how much it was like a reoccurring theme in my mind as we kind of went through this. And seeing how homes represented, you know, some like Lauren and Lewis inherited that house and reinterpreting it for their family. And it kind of, I thought that was so beautiful.
1: That is really true. And some people are on a very tight budget and some people aren't. And some people it's their very first home and some people they're downsizing or they've moved across the city. There's a lot of starting over within each episode for each family. But as Jer said, each house was really their forever home. And it was fascinating to watch because that really does change how you spend your money and what decisions you make you know when you when you have no intention to ever leave that place
0: and i think that's really interesting for you guys in particular you mentioned in this first episode that you have never lived in a place for more than 2 years and in the research for for this episode I watched your home tour on Architectural Digest and I loved seeing like the pieces that you had brought from L.A. to your new home in New York, which was so beautiful and felt so meaningful. And then I just read that you guys sold it.
1: I know. Yeah. You know, Uh, in our defense, when we sat down with the writer from Architectural Digest, we did a beautiful job of that writing the story of that house. The first thing in that article is that we said we would never say that something is our forever home again. Like we were shamed into it after we sold Los Angeles. But part of it, I think, is the fact that the two of us, once we get a home to be exactly what we want it to be, once we feel like it's fulfilled its absolute maximum potential, both aesthetically and renovation wise and, you know, furniture layout and all of that, we kind of look around and we both get a little bit bored. When there's nothing left to do. That's not it for me. It is it for you.
2: No way. Yeah, it
1: is. It's part of it The only thing it. I'll say. Know thyself.
2: The, the only part that I'll say is you will see why, through the course of the season, we sold our home. And it was not for the same reasons that we have before.
1: Yeah. So. So just so that your listeners aren't like, Ugh. Yeah. It wasn't just for money. We weren't bored. No, no, we weren't bored. And it wasn't just for money. It was something, um, it was very, very much, very good much reason. bigger. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I think that there's a lot. That can be taken from that as well. I mean, I think there are a lot of families that, for various reasons, tend to be a little more nomadic and tend to need to move every few years for various reasons. I mean, I think that you guys can speak to those people as well. What's the key to maybe collecting pieces that have a meaningful narrative that are transitional that can move with you? Because it's just because you're starting over in a new location doesn't mean you're wiping the slate clean and not keeping, you know, some special items.
1: No, I mean, we also uh, this is not a pitch. I have no affiliation with this, but there's this website called Sortly, this app that you can photograph and measure and keep a uh, running inventory of every single thing you own, and we have that split between different cities and whatever. So like I know exactly what sofa is where and and all of that at any given moment. And I think we've always just bought what we love.
2: Well, I think we're thoughtful about what we purchase. I think that's the issue that most people face. And to your point, you should be able to buy pieces that you can take if you move to five different places. And as you mentioned, we've done that. And we have pieces that mean something to us. But I think, you know, and one of the things that we try to deal with on the show is make thoughtful decisions about what you're bringing in. Don't just try to make it look like page 23 from that catalog Bring pieces into your, into your life that obviously spark joy and are useful, but have a future in them. You know, chairs that were bought for one reason can represent something else five years later or be used in five different ways. So I think we're always trying to help people understand how to make thoughtful decisions with what they bring into their home.
1: And as designers, the switching out of pieces, the becoming interested of new designers or older designers or people that whose work we haven't come in contact with, that is a constant evolution. Like we are never done learning, ever. Not about people, not about spaces, and definitely not about furniture and decoration. And so for us, there's also this kind of undercurrent as we move into our next project as a family of what haven't we done before? What haven't we used? What, what do we not know? And so we keep walking around asking, asking ourselves, where it's not just like going out and buying a new sofa for the living room. It's like, what should that be? Should it be Italian seventies? Should it be classic English rolled arm? Should it be vintage? Should it be new? I find myself
2: teaching Nate something new every single day, always learning, always growing.
0: Well, speaking of people teaching you things, I mean, I can only imagine that having children has evolved your perspective on design and what makes a place home. So can you kind of ruminate on that a little bit?
1: We've always said it goes people, then pets, then things in terms of priority. And if you find yourself beholden to your possessions or the architecture of your space, then you've done something wrong. Our relationship is our primary priority because they're going to go at some point many, many years from now, whether Jeremiah is willing to admit that or not. But the, the truth is they will. And so our relationship takes precedence over everything else in our world. And then the kids are a very, very close second. You know, we want to create an environment for them where we aren't panicking and chasing them around and telling them they can't eat their crackers or their cheese stick or whatever it is on a piece of furniture. That's a ridiculous way to live with two kids under six. But conversely, we both grew up with parents, mothers really, who cared very deeply about our homes. And so design was a passion, you know, for his mother and and for mine. So we were also taught and were both of us raised to respect things and yeah. to understand that things cost money yeah, and that, you know, you don't just... Have wreak havoc over everything because you're a kid. It doesn't work like that.
2: I was going to say, I mean, we made a conscious decision bef- when the children were born to, you know, help them understand what it means to respect the home that they're a part of. You know, we were never a baby bumper house. We were never anything over chairs. There was never rooms that people couldn't go into, but there was an expectation with the way that you handled yourself in those rooms. You know, the children engage in this house like anybody else, and I think that's healthy for them. You know, they're not like a caged animal that like, I'm afraid they're going to jump. They know not to jump on furniture. They know not to do things. You know, there are children set the table for dinner. You know, they're a part of the household. They're part of the rhythm. And I think it's important. And I think, you know, that respect and the expectation for them to participate in the household goes a long way, at least it has for us.
0: I have two kids, too. They're a little older than yours. And I consider my number one job is to teach them how to be good citizens of the world. And that includes our home. It starts with our home.
1: It starts. Absolutely. It starts there.
2: We all have those friends, the kids come over and they're like jumping on the kitchen counter and you're like, okay.
1: okay." They've put us through it. No, you know, every parent knows. I mean, you know, we had a pair of suede benches in our living room and Oscar wrote all over them with a ballpoint pen. You know, it happens. And and there's, and there's, you know, you can do a quick internet search for solutions for the stuff like that. But The other thing that I think a lot of people don't understand when they're decorating their own homes is that if you buy vintage stuff, if you buy stuff that already is worn and already has a patination and already is chipped and dinged and you embrace the character of that, then go for it. If somebody throws a and it and it lands on the face of that armoire, great. You know,
2: I don't know if everybody loves that.
1: No, like, but I'm just do. I'm just saying, though, like, you know, our the, our kitchen table is a 19th century stripped oak table. It's pitted and has marks and it's not a fine finish at all. And the more the kids beat it up and they do and, you know, draw and do their arts, pro- arts and crafts projects, the better it looks. So, you know, also make smart decisions around the, that stuff.
0: I love that. I mean, it's just part of the history and part of the life of your home. All right. Well, before we let you guys go, we thought it would be fun to do a little rapid fire round with you both. This is just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, you guys ready?
1: Yeah, you're not calling me a poop emoji again, though, right? We'll see. He did that <laughs> once. That was five years ago. You got to move on. I know, but every time we do a quick fire, I still I feel well, a don't little act bit. like one.
0: I don't think there's anything emoji related in here, but we'll see where it goes. All right. So describe your spouse's style in one word.
2: Classic.
1: <laughs> Japanese sniper.
2: One word. So you can't even. Sniper.
1: <laughs>
0: sniper wow. Who has the better hair?
1: Chair. Jer- Chair for sure. No, for sure. Because my hair takes a long time to look like this. And his dries from the swimming pool like that. Yeah. Like how it looks on TV. He truly wake- woke up like that. 100%.
0: All right. It's movie night. What are we watching?
1: Go for it. It's sci-fi. We're watching Ooh. sci-fi because he always wins.
0: What are some of your favorite things to do in New York?
1: We like to run. Mm-hmm. Park. Kids. The, yeah. Washington Square Park. Actually, you know what? New York is so awesome with the kids. In the morning, sometime if we're, sometimes if we're early for school, Oscar and Jared and I will just sit on a rock outside of the school because he likes to watch the trucks go by. And talk about it. So, I mean, New York is just constant New entertainment. York's,
2: I mean, New York's everything. You walk out and you're part of the world. Yeah. So, you can go anywhere in the world you want in any day.
0: If you could live in only one season forever, what would it be?
2: Fall. Spring.
0: Ooh. And last question. What are you most looking forward to right now?
2: Well, I don't know how to say that. I do. Okay.
1: M- moving. Moving. Yeah.
0: Well, I can't wait to see where you guys end up next. I want to thank you both for your time. We love Home Project. We're so excited to see where you land. Thank Thank you you so much for
1: having us. You're the
2: best. I could sit here all day with you. Thank you for everything. Me too.
0: (laughs) Do you love them? Because I love them so much. I felt like we had a a soul connection. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of HGTV Obsessed with one of our favorite couples on the network. You can find Nate on Instagram at Nate Burkus and Jeremiah at Jeremiah Brent and watch new episodes of the Nate and Jeremiah Home Project Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on HGTV or streaming the same day on Discovery+. Plus. To find out more about our guest, you can also visit our show notes at hgtv.com slash podcast. And I do have a little bit of news to share with you guys. This is going to be our last episode of HGTV Obsessed for the year. But if you just found us, have no fear, you gotta go back and check out the back catalog. We have some amazing episodes with tons of helpful advice, tips, and tricks from all the experts at HGTV. You can continue to follow HGTV on Instagram and subscribe to Discovery Plus to binge watch your favorite show. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time.